Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. I've been elaborating for the last eight months, mate. I don't know what else I'm going to say. We've got a game plan. We just got 381. I can't remember. It's been a long time since Australia got 381. There's been a lot of critics saying we can't do that. We've maintained the whole time. If we stick to our game plan and the conditions are right, then we'll get scores enough to win games of cricket. And we've done that for the last six months or so. And we'll hopefully keep doing that. We've played, we played a great couple of games in India. We've played some great games in Dubai. We've played some great practice games. We've played some... Uh, really good games in this tournament without being at our best still. I mean, we've got Davey and um, Aaron Finch have done what we've talked about, getting big hundreds up front, exactly what England have been doing for the last few years. We've got guys in the middle who are playing well. We've got adaptability in our, which is, as I keep saying, is a strength, not a weakness. So, yeah, I think it's not just what's clicked the last few games. It's been what's clicked for the last eight months, and that's exciting for us. Do the critics frustrate you, mate? Like, obviously, there's been a couple of high-profile ones. Does it frustrate you that people keep questioning your approach with the bat? It's easy being a commentator. <laughs> Is it satisfying to, to, to have those critics come along and be 5-1 and on top of the table or the, near there halfway through? Yeah, it's satisfying, but you, you, you can't get complacent. you just got to keep doing it. What I know is that whatever we do, people are going to try and pick holes in it. For example, if Uzi didn't make any runs the other day, we would have been smashed. But he did, and no one says anything. So, and that's life. That's the business we're in. That's okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel. This is, of course, brought to you by News Corp. And that was Australian coach Justin Langer, 
talking overnight in London to Scotty Bailey and Sam Landsberger. And uh, he was uh, pretty forthright in uh, defending his team tactics. And joining me on the line now to discuss the World Cup, Australia's campaign, the flops, the stars. I've got Pete Lawler, who's landed back from London. Pete, how are you? (laughs) Just come back to do my uh, laundry manners. Uh, I'm good, thanks for asking. A touch of the Mickey Arthurs about JL in that, wasn't it? Did you see Mickey Arthur overnight too? Saying to the journos, can't you blokes write something positive for once? And it sounds like he was right too. It, uh... it sounds like the, the scrutiny has got to Langer since he's been in the position. And, and you sort of know him better than me. I mean, he's a pretty level-headed guy, but you can tell he has been a slightly affected by all the second-guessing. Oh, def- yeah, I think uh, I think it was uh, quite an issue in the early days, particularly when they were losing. He's a little bit more comfortable with the scrutiny now. It, you know, it doesn't get to you so much when you're actually uh, winning, does it? It kind of takes it on board, which is uh, not the right thing for a coach to do, but all of them do it at one point or another. But uh, he's talking from a position of strength now. I mean, what, they're, they're going pretty well, Australia. So I think you can put up with a little bit of criticism. I think you can. And, and what a big week ahead for the World Cup in general, but especially Australia's campaign, because Australia takes on England and New Zealand, England on Tuesday, New Zealand on Saturday. And I think there'll be good sort of measuring sticks about where this Australian side is, having lost to India but beating everyone else. I think this is a really good time for Australia to maybe stamp their authority on the competition. Yeah, absolutely. These are the games that matter, aren't they, for Australia? And, you know, New Zealand have got the games that matter coming up as well. They've got India, England and Australia, obviously. Uh, They're sitting pretty on top of the ladder, aren't they? Top of the table, as you say, in this competition. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't be too concerned if Australia got beaten by England, so long as they don't get thrashed. I think England are a better team on paper. They've got the big cannons, haven't they, at the top of the batting order that Australia doesn't really have. But, you know, Langer's, Langer's counselling that all, all you need to do is win those moments in the match. Win the pressure moments and you win the game. And that's what Australia's done that pretty well thus far. Yeah, Alex Carey was speaking this morning on, I think, RSN Breakfast Radio in Melbourne. And Carey was saying that one thing they've noticed is that there is an extra pressure element in the World Cup. And I think national sides go four years and play fairly meaningless 50-over cricket for that four years, and then they get to the World Cup, and all of a sudden, you know, a chase of 320 that you might cruise to in a bilateral series is a little bit tougher in a World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Donny pointed this out when they had the captain's day in London before the, before the World Cup kicked off. You know, at that point, I don't remember if England was swaggering around talking about scoring 500 in a game. And Donny kind of rolled his eyes and said, I just don't think it's going to happen. In a World Cup, there's so much added pressure. And England England like to uh, bat second, don't they? But I, I reckon you got to, I reckon runs on the board are so critical in these tournaments. And we've seen that, haven't we? Because teams trip up in the chase more often than not. If I was Australia, I'd be batting first against England. Yeah, and I just want to sort of discuss the Australian batting plan. It seems like the change has been to lay a foundation and keep wickets in hand and then really accelerate towards the end rather than coming out all guns blazing and find yourself uh, two for 20 after 10 overs and in a deep hole. They've, they've taken a much more measured approach and that seems to date back to sort of the Indian series in Australia. 
Yeah, they have. I, I think they're probably being forced to take a measured approach to some degree because, well, Warner hasn't been able to explode, has he? And Finch is, has come into his own. I mean, he's in outstanding form, but it just seems like circumstances are against them when you're watching that game, the, the last match. Who was that against? Minutes? Sorry, I forget. Um, Bangladesh. Bangladesh. And you're thinking, well, Warner or Finch has to go here. And Finch gets out of that moment, so Warner goes back into his shell a little bit. I like the tactic. Warner said in the past, I would have got frustrated and I would have got out. And I think we saw about the ninth or tenth of that match. Uh, Finch come down and, and like grab him by the head and say, just relax, mate. You know, just relax. You'll stay out there. You'll make runs. You don't make runs in the dressing room. And, and Warner said in the past, I would have got frustrated and got out in those situations, and I did. But now I'm batting through, and it's paying off for it. It's paying off for Australia. I like loading up the back end of the innings, and you saw what Maxwell did in that. What was it, a 10-ball 32 or something? Well, That's it was right. out on a 10th ball. You've got those guys there who can really go, and uh, when Maxwell comes off, he's an absolute match winner, isn't he, in those situations? Yeah, he is. He's made for that position. And I think what you speak of, you know, having a consistency of method at the top of the order does lead to more consistent performances. You know, England have shown that they can be hit or bust. Australia have eliminated that element from their game in the last six to eight months. They're not really, you know, a team that has these massive crashes like we saw for the two years before. Yeah, that's right. And compare and contrast the approach of this squad to the sort of squad that they took over to England uh, 12 months ago and the squads that they were playing, which they were trying to match England. They were trying to play like England. They picked Chris Lynn ahead of Glenn Maxwell last year at one point. I think that was for the New Zealand series, wasn't it? Because I think they thought you had to play that helter-skelter cricket to win. But in a World Cup, you don't. You've just got to hold your nerve and win the big moments. Now, you mentioned David Warner before. What have you made of his stunning return to the national side? Should we have been surprised? I mean, David Warner is just one of the most determined and competitive individuals you'll ever see. So is Smith, to a degree. Warner Warner was always going to bounce back from this. He, he showed it the moment he walked out to bat for uh, his club side in Sydney. He started peeling off hundreds. It's just what he does. He was just dead set focused on making runs and making runs no matter what. He's a really good cricketer. I think that got lost during during uh, the past 12 months. I think that people lost focus on his talent and they'd also forgotten just how focused and determined he is. Um, I think he's done an extraordinary job in this World Cup. I agree. Uh, Langer said overnight that David Warner is good company away from the field. Uh, what is Warner like? <laughs> yeah. what, what is Warner like away from the field? Uh, i tell you one thing I noticed when I was over there, before I came home to do my washing, was that whenever I saw Warner away from the ground, he was with... Langer or Ponting, and I think that Langer and Ponting have decided to make him a bit of a project. They're going to make him his mate. What's Warner like away from the ground? He's surprising. He has a very active mind. He takes an interest in all manner of topics, and he finds that you're interested in something. He'll do his background on it. So he's a bit of an instant expert on stuff, but he's not a dumb bloke. He's not just cricket. He has a lot of uh, business interests away from away from cricket, but he's not that 
different in terms of personality. He is that he is David Warner, self-assured. I I don't think he likes. Uh, he's self-assured. Let's put it that way. He's a very confident young man. Now I had a listen to the audio from David Warner's press conference after his most recent century, and I did detect a little bit of the bravado coming back, a little bit more of confidence in what he was saying, um, a little bit more assured. I think he's coming back to uh, international cricket in every way, not just with the bat. Yeah, you could hear it, couldn't you, for sure. That's a good point, I reckon. But uh, a couple of hundreds will do that for you. I mean, leading sco- is he still the leading run scorer in the tournament? We'll just say yes. I mean, because by the time this podcast comes out, he probably is again. <laughs> yeah, well, he was leading run scorer in the tournament when he, he gave that press conference. He just hit his second century. He just picked up his third man of the match award for the tournament. There's an argument there the way he's going. He could be the player in the tournament too. Stark won that last time, didn't he? in 2015. So, yeah, I think David will be feeling pretty good about himself. I don't think we'll ever see that sort of in-your-face brash Warner again. I think Australia's ruled out playing cricket like that, haven't they? But I think we will see that fantastic batsman, that super confident at the crease. Hopefully, I think his rhythm's back now and uh, his best innings will come in the back end of this tournament. They'll have to because they'll be against better bowlers and they are the crunch games. Yep. If uh, Warner could go on and get Man of the World Cup, that would be some turnaround. What about the debates within the Australian side? It seems like Usman Khawaja has won the battle for that last batting spot with Sean Marsh. Yep. 100%. 100%. Well, he won it the day he was picked for the first game, I think, and he hasn't really let them down, has he? I mean, he, he's, he's had to bat in difficult circumstances outside his comfort zone, and I think he's done a reasonable job. I think he's done a very good job. That last innings, he batted at a quick run rate. I think Australia have got far too caught up in this left-right combination obsession. I think they just sort of need to stick with that top three and let them lay the foundation in all games. I think you're right. I, I, I think at times you can be flexible. I mean, at times it could be a call to bat a Glenn Maxwell at three if you've set a fantastic foundation. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And it was Langer that was sort of saying, you know, we can play two left-arm bowlers. Uh, once upon a time we couldn't, you know, he was, he was saying that when he was young, Bob Simpson said you couldn't have two left-arm opening bats. He said, well, that's been proven wrong. And... Yeah, I agree. You don't need that left-right thing. I think that's more of a T20 cricket set-up, isn't it? It is, yeah. What about Zampa? He seems to have uh, got back in the side at just the right time. Looked like when Stoinis was injured, they might have been thinking about not playing a spinner, but I think you need Zampa. Yeah, I think that was a balancing, wasn't it? You, you With no Stoinis, you couldn't play the spinner and you probably didn't need to. They do need Zampa. I mean, there's an argument, isn't there? Isn't there? I mean, is he a better one-day bowler than um, than Nathan Lyon? But they picked him ahead. I like the wrist spin. I like the way he's bowling. I don't think he's bowling anywhere near. I don't reckon he's got his rhythm. But he, he didn't in that in that comeback game, and he was struggling for it a little bit in the early games. But he got wickets. So. Hopefully, he'll get it together now that he's back in the side. I find it incredible that Stoinis was able to heal from that side strain and and continue in this World Cup. I thought he was gone. Yeah, side strain's usually a bad thing with a bowler, aren't they? It must have been a very slight side strain. So, but, I mean, it's critical, isn't it? I reckon otherwise. I mean, we would, I reckon Mitch Marsh would have come into the squad, and I think Mitch Marsh would have been playing too, 
because you've, you've got to have an all-rounder there for balance. I wanted Mitch Marsh to hit the winning runs in the World Cup final for a good story, but it didn't happen. What about you bringing in Matty Wade as an all-rounder? Oh, well... Matty Wade can bowl. He, he's, got, he's got wheels. He can bowl around 130 kilometres an hour. I've got on my notes here to talk about, after the World Cup, the Matty Wade dilemma. So we'll park that for one sec, but it's... it's park it. Sorry. No. I, I just, um, it's great minds think alike. So, uh, Stoinis is back. Third quicks are sort of rotating around. Now let's look at the Poms. They play Australia, India, and New Zealand in their last three games. They probably only need one win, but they would be more comfortable with two wins against uh, those three sides. Can you see England choking and and uh, losing two of those three games? <laughs> Uh, only when only when I'm being my most sort of one-eyed Australian and fantasising, they're too good a side to miss out. I think particularly with this setup, they've just got to get through to the final. Strange things have happened. I didn't see South Africa going this bad, and I certainly didn't see that. I, did, I couldn't see how Sri Lanka could beat England or how England could fail to. What do they have to chase? Two hundred and thirty-two. I mean, who'd have thought England would get bowled out for two hundred and twelve? They'd be a bit nervous, but it's probably good for them. If they lose to us, that'll certainly increase the nerves. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that'll be um, that'll be an interesting result for the tournament. The tournament's come to life a little bit, hasn't it? Pakistan have resurrected themselves. England have got a bit of a wobble up. Sri Lanka beat them. I mean, just it's inconceivable to me, particularly with old Malinga going around. He's having a pretty good tournament. Took four wickets against England. Uh, he's probably the chubbiest cricketer going around. One good thing about the World Cup, isn't it? You see, you see some chubby athletes again. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so do I. Uh, Malinga hasn't lost it. Just won the IPL for his side with a brilliant over. Still doing it in the World Cup. I mean, him and Chris Chris Gale. It feels like they've been playing my whole life. I think England are really missing Jason Roy. I think his injury and then having Alex Hales uh, not available ha- has brought someone into the side who's just not as good as them in James Vince. Yeah, Vince. Vince is the weak link at the top of that uh, top of the order. That's for sure. But you know what? Well, you've got Bearstow, Root, Morgan, Stokes, Butler, Moeen, Ali, Wokes. It's a pretty good batting lineup. You allow one weak spot. Will Vince play the next game? Do you think? Well, if, will they stick with him? I think they will. If um, just for the balance of the side, but they whiz talk. Roy might be available, but I doubt it. I think they'll keep him in cotton wool. Yeah. He scored 64 against Australia in Southampton, Vince, but uh, that was in Southampton. You just scored runs there. Yeah. The weekend was brilliant. Great games between Afghanistan and India and West Indies and New Zealand. But for the competition's sake, we actually really needed those upsets to, to go the way of Afghanistan and West Indies because now, you know, it's sort of England in fourth spot and you've got Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Pakistan sort of trailing them. But had... West Indies and Afghanistan one, it really would have opened it up. Yeah, yeah. It's still being one of those fairy tale wins, isn't it, that, that gets everyone excited, like Ireland in a couple of the previous World Cups. Yeah, and I think Afghanistan have played all right, haven't they? I don't know, they certainly haven't disgraced themselves in this series. No, they've, had, they've probably had a yeah. two, two games they probably should have won. Yeah. Against India, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, look, they've done pretty well. South Africa have been very disappointing, and the West Indies have been disappointing. The West Indies look like a team of sort of stars, but they're not really a team. They're not firing together. Yeah, I mean, 
I just don't know that you can go through a World Cup. I mean, you you just said that you thought Gale's going all right. Well, I mean, all he can do is swing hard at the ball these days. The rest of the time, he's a liability. And Dre Russell, I mean, he's a great bowler, but how many overs can you get out of him and could you have got a whole tournament out of him? I think they were just stuck with those players who are a little bit past their use-by date and and maybe a similar things happened to South Africa too with the way they went into it. You've got to be really careful about your experienced players in one of these tournaments, you know, those players who are a bit long in the tooth. Yeah, it's funny because the one side that everybody thought was probably going to be the, the bottom of the table, Sri Lanka are the side with the, the best chance probably of making the next round. So, yeah, it's been incredible. Yeah, yeah they're a rain-assisted points table, haven't they? they first two or three games got rained out. Yeah, they got two handy. points for rain outs. All right, so you, two, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was a beat-up. So that's um, the World Cup listeners. New Zealand, Australia, India looking pretty assured of a semi-final spot, but England... Could they have a final wobble? Let's hope so for all our Aussie listeners. Now, uh, <laughs> Pete, I've written here the Matthew Wade dilemma because it is a dilemma now. So for those who haven't heard, overnight Wade scored the fastest ever list day century for an Australian, 100 off only 45 balls. He finished with 155 off 71 balls with 11 sixes. It follows on from his 117 in 67 balls in the first match and then follows on from a 1,000-run shield campaign, a stunning 50-over domestic comp and a very strong big bash. So, Pete, I ask you, how long can the selectors continue to ignore Australia's most inform and destructive batsman at the moment? <laughs> yeah, that's something I'm tossing around today as I... What did Wade score over the summer? 1,021. Yeah, it was 1,020 runs, wasn't it? About an average of 60, two centuries and eight fifties. Incredible consistency. How long can... Whose place does he take to get into the side? And are we talking about ODIs or Test cricket here? Well, it might be a bit late for the World Cup, but look, you know, dropping Carey now would be a gutsy move, just make him fake an injury. <laughs> well, you know, Kerry doesn't deserve to be dropped, does he? I think he's done enough. He's got work. He's not right up to standard. But then again, you know, I think Wade hasn't always been up to standard either, up to sort of standards of Haddon. I've got a nickname for Kerry. It's Corporate Kerry because Kerry at press conferences brings out every, like, line that Cricket Australia would be so happy with. Everything's great. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, oh, we all love each other. Corporate Kerry. Oh, that's pretty rough. Yeah, well, he's a pretty positive guy. I know he's not putting it on. It's not like when Nathan Lyon used to do press conferences and talk talking about playing for Cricket Australia, which always made my blood sort of chill. You play for Australia, mate, not Cricket Australia. That's the organisation. Yeah, I think Wade has to be in the Ashes squad, honestly. He has to be in the squad and... You know, maybe is he number six? Really? Can he get into that squad? Yeah, there's a lot of people looking for places in that squad, aren't there? When you go through the batsmen, there's like Harris, Patterson, maybe Head, Warner. Marnus, Lobashane. Lobashane's doing very well, leading one store in county cricket at the moment. His appearance on Cricket Unfiltered has led to a form surge, so hopefully uh, that'll encourage other batsmen to come on. Yeah, Yeah, so there's a lot of... There's a lot of batsmen there and about, aren't they? Aren't there? Yeah, but this, this... And we haven't even mentioned Bancroft or Renshaw. Yeah, but Wade is, like, outscoring all of them. 
and he's done so for a year. So it's just like eventually the selectors yeah. have got to see if he can produce this sort of form in, at the top level. Well, I think you're right. I think you're right because otherwise it, it, it's an insult to the first-class system, isn't it? If you do so well in first-class cricket, you, you, you can't be ignored. I, 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 well, he's, I think that he should be in the Ashes squad. I don't know how many batsmen they're going to name in that squad, but uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, he could double up as the second keeper and a batsman. So you could kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to um, Ben Horn this morning and he said that the player that interests him the most is um, Peter Hanscom. Because Hanscom isn't in the ODI squad, isn't in the test team, but does have a contract. Now, why does he have a contract? Is it because they think that he can be that sort of backup keeper batsman for the Ashes, and I would argue you'd have to give some thought to Alex Carey. I mean, Alex Carey looks pretty handy with a bat. Yeah, definitely, he's a good player. But I just think that Wade has done more than everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not discounting Wade, but uh, it's a competitive field, isn't it? And um, England have played three wicket keepers in the same team at different times, haven't they? That's right. Hey, how is Ben Horn? Ben Horn. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very happy man. He's. Uh, Fame. Have you spoken to him since he had the baby? No, but l- listen. Delivered the baby in the front seat of his car. Yeah, yeah, listeners. That's what I wanted to tell the listeners. Ben Horn, panelist, delivered his own baby on the way to the hospital. It's incredible. So when he's back from paternity leave, I'm going to get him on the podcast, and I want a, a blow by blow commentary of what he did. I mean, that's. I would have been lost. Can you imagine catching your baby by the side of a highway? But he was pulled up on the up. He pulled up on a footpath out front of some shops. People lived nearby uh, came out because they thought a woman was being murdered. And the most incredible thing is that it's Ben Horn. I mean, as he said, to, he sent me a text. Can't change a light bulb. Can deliver a baby. I mean, this guy is just. He has no practical skills whatsoever. Two weeks before the baby was born, he was in a birthing class, and the guy next to him fainted. Ben froze while everyone else in the class attended to this poor guy who'd fallen on the floor. Ben's just freaked out by any medical emergency. (laughs) So the fact that he actually delivered the baby and took quite the slips catch, I'm told, and then it's uh, not an easy catch, a wet baby. It's uh, it's an incredible story. It's on the internet. Yeah, um, amazing stuff. The Telegraph and a piece about it, yeah. And um, amazing effort by his wife too. Claire, she's a fantastic woman. Just incredible. Uh, well, Pete, I think on that uh, cheery note, I'm going to let you go <laughs> and get on with your day. But just uh, any scoops, any news you want to uh, pass on to the listeners? Any Pete Lawler thoughts? <laughs> no, no, I'm concentrating on my laundry at the moment. I haven't got any stories. Okay. Interesting one the other day. Just one quick one. Yeah. I did write something the other day that nobody noticed. Uh, that. Uh, we're saying these Matthew Wade schools are against county teams that are refusing to put out their frontline bowling attacks, which is just pathetic. Uh, imagine being a bowler in one of these county sides. Wouldn't you want to crack at Australia, eh? But anyway, in the planning for this tour, the Australian Brains Trust actually considered offering a $50,000 reward to any county side that could beat them in a tour match. They should have done it. That would have been great. It would have been hilarious, wouldn't it? Well, they've got around it, haven't they? Because they're going to play that Australia Australia A side. So that'll be a good warm-up ahead of the Ashes. That'll be a fiercely competitive game of cricket. So anyway, we need to do something. Cricket needs to do something about this. Cricket, cricket nations need to come together and agree that when there's a 
when you've got visitors, you give them some decent warm-up matches on some decent pitches. Because Derby, for God's sake, they've turned out They've turned out blokes who've never bowled before, and they don't have another game for seven days. I mean, it's just—I I just find it a bit pathetic. But Australia can't, Australia can't complain because it's what it does to uh, sort of visiting teams anyway. Yeah, exactly. We throw out the CA eleven, and usually when the tour games are going on, there's a round of Shield cricket. So. And that CA, that CA 11 is a social club team, isn't it, from Cricket Australia? Play lunch, lunchtime matches? Yeah, exactly. No. So. Yeah, <laughs> not really. Um, good to chat, Menace. Good story, Pete. Enjoy your laundry and uh, we'll catch up soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Well, listeners, that was Peter Lawler, Chief Cricket Writer for The Australian. Remember, you can keep up with all the World Cup action at dailytelegraph.com.au or theaustralian.com.au. That's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. I'll be back later in the week with a chat with Sam Landsberger after Australia beats England at Lords. So you've been listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel. Back soon with another podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.